As I mentioned earlier, today is the Feast of the Lord, the Giver of Life, and I believe when, uh, even when we began to celebrate that feast day, Father Terry had been coming pretty much from the beginning. Each year uh, is the time of year that he would come with us and we would head to the march. And uh, this year, uh, he um, rejected us. No, I'm just kidding. He, he had a, a, an opportunity to go to Europe, which he's been doing a lot of ministry, more ministry and leadership and, and, and working there. And Sarah will speak a little bit about that. But he headed to the Philippines. And I think we're even more blessed because we have the uh, assistant director of CEC for Life who's going to come and share what God's been doing and what God's put on our heart to bring a word. So would you give a warm welcome for Sarah Howell? Happy feast day. Oh, that wasn't as energetic. You guys are the late crowd, so you all slept well, I'm sure, had breakfast, so I'm expecting a lot of responses. No, just kidding. Um, as uh, Father Brett mentioned, Father Terry is normally here, and he did maybe not reject you, but he did desert me um, for the warm sun of the Philippines at this time of year. So um, I'm dealing with that personally. Um, no, it, it's really good that he's there. Um, the churches in the Philippines have been asking Father Terry to come for quite some time, and so he's able to do um, three large life and leadership conferences while he's there, especially with the clergy. And so it's a really blessed time, and we're really excited that he's over there. Um, he made it over there. There was a volcano that exploded because Father Terry can't go anywhere normal. So... <laughs> There was a volcano, there was a tsunami warning as well, um, so he went over to the Philippines. They may have wanted him to stay home after all of that, you know. Um, but part of the reason I'm here is to update you like, on, on the work of CEC for Life. It's work and ministry that this church especially has supported for many years, and we're really grateful for you guys, and um, we are grateful that we get to be here every feast day. Um, if you follow anything that we post online or our fundraising letters or anything like that, then you probably know that one of our biggest fights this year has been with Planned Parenthood. That's actually been a campaign we've been doing for almost two and a half years, I think. Um, Planned Parenthood in Birmingham is attempting to open a brand new facility um, that is designed to kill more children than they could have killed before because it's bigger and state-of-the-art. And um, I personally believe that the Southeast region, Planned Parenthood Southeast, plans to make that building their flagship clinic um, for the Southeast. And so we've been working very hard to stop them from opening. Um, and even before that, we were working to get them shut down. We had already la launched a campaign before they bought this new property and started building. Um, so God's been really gracious in that campaign. The Planned Parenthood that's there now, it's the only clinic, only abortion clinic in the city, and it hasn't been able to do abortions for over two years. And that's because, uh, you can clap for that. <laughs> that's because they haven't been able to find a doctor, for one, that will work with them. And then also, their building is very dilapidated. So they think building this new building, that's their plan. Build a new building, attract a new doctor, kill lots of children. That's always Planned Parenthood's plan. All right? And so um, we've had this reprieve since they haven't been able to do abortions for about two and a half years. 
And we've tried to use this time that our city has been free of the evil of abortion, the, the evil of abortion, try to use that time wisely. And so we have been contacting businesses that are helping to build the building. We um, have been talking to their employees, praying outside. We've rallied citizens. We've done press conferences. We've gone to the Capitol to talk to legislators and the attorney general. I mean, we've really, really been working this campaign. And one thing especially is that we've tried to unite the local pastors that are in the city. And God has been especially gracious in that area. Um, we wrote this. There's a document we wrote last year called the Birmingham Proclamation, and we had over 100 local pastors sign on to it. Now, this is a statement that's in direct opposition to abortion in our state. And so to have 100 pastors not only come together to write it, but then to all sign off on it was really just a miracle of the Lord because pastors are, it's like herding cats, okay? And so to see them come together has just been really, really great. Um, the Patriarch also signed that, that um, proclamation as well as a lot of our other clergy signed on. So we have over 300 signatures, but the first 100 were these local pastors. And so they've been stepping up in a way that I've never personally seen our local pastors step up before. And they're willing to really lead from the front and to be directly involved with pro-life activities, especially on the sidewalk. And that can be really hard for pastors sometimes. Uh, they're not familiar with it. They're not sure what to do. So. We actually held this press conference out in front of the mayor's office, and you may have seen the video online, but we had four or five of these pastors that were going to give short statements, and then we were going to walk into the mayor's office and present the proclamation to him. Um, our mayor is uh, very pro-Planned Parenthood. And so a few days before, word got out to the Young Democrats chapter, and so about 20 of them showed up to um, protest this press conference. Not all young Democrats, may I add. Uh, most of them, in fact, were not young Democrats, but they showed up. And so um, one woman, in fact, tried to apologize afterwards for their behavior. Uh, she was the lead yeller, and she tried to apologize to me, and she said that, um, so Father Terry and I, we, we, deal with Pat, we deal with protesters all the time, and so when we saw these protesters with their signs and everything, we knew that they were probably going to try to hijack this press conference. So we got the pastors to line up in front of this brick wall and um, like so that nobody could get behind them. And this infuriated the protesters. So the lady that tried to talk to me afterwards told me that um, she thought that the fact that we had lined up in front of that brick wall, that that had really upset the protesters because they couldn't be seen. And I was like, well, I spent a month organizing this event, so I'm okay with it if you weren't seen, you know? Um, so, um, and we thought when they started, so when the pastors started talking, you know, these protesters start shouting them down, they're screaming at them. And uh, these are pastors that are not used to protesters. And so they um, were shocked. A lot of the pastors were, were pretty shocked that so much hate came from this group of people. And um, Father Terry and I figured that they actually would never join us for another event again. But they have. In fact, it emboldened them. And one of the things that, you know, the reasons we're never intimidated by protesters is because when those protesters come and you see that spirit of evil, because that's what it is, and it, it is the easiest way to show people the spiritual battle that you're really in, because you guys have been out to different events in this church, and uh, if you've seen those people that come out and they just have this hate that builds up and it just it like feeds off of it, and that is because it is a spiritual battle, and that person is lost in deception, and so they're a tool of the enemy at that time, you know? So it's, been, it's just been amazing to see God burden these pastors' hearts 
and have them actually respond to defending the preborn. And so Planned Parenthood, they're out here trying to build this new facility, and God is using it to build relationships and to build um, a network of pastors and shepherds in our city who are willing to stand for life in a way that they've never really been willing before. Um, so we're also getting a mobile unit in Birmingham, a mobile ultrasound unit, and that's an answer to prayer. We've been trying to get a mobile unit, CEC for Life especially, for years. And um, this particular unit was actually paid for by one check from one donor. And um, again, you know, Planned Parenthood, they, they have this whole plan of how they're going to start operating, and God is building up our defenses, and he's making these miracles happen. And so it's a real encouragement to see God answering all of these longtime prayers in the midst of what's a very exhausting battle, um, or can be. Um, but it reminds us why we have to keep doing the work that we do. Because I will tell you a secret, no one actually wakes up and wants to deal with abortion all day. Right? That is not the dream job I had as a child. Um, I wanted to be a college professor, a really cool college professor that kids really liked and that weren't mad at me for talking to them about abortion all the time. And uh, for, one, for, for a short time in my life, uh, when I was a child, I wanted to be a mouse when I grew up because they ate cheese all day, and that's a good life, right? I mean, you could do that. So I had other aspirations, okay? Um, but Paul says we count it all as loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. And when you're doing the work that God calls you to do, and that's in any vocation. You don't have to be a full-time pro-life missionary. Um, but that doing that work, that, that's worth it, you know. And so a lot of us had our own plans, and God just took you a different route, you know. And that's, it's, it's just amazing. Even with this campaign, you know, we did not plan to have these pastors unite like this, and they just have. And it's just been an awesome work of the Lord. Um, and when it comes to Planned Parenthood especially, you're pretty much outgunned and outnumbered and outfunded every day of the week, all right, uh, seemingly, because... Um, we know that God is all-powerful, and, and so in the middle of this fight, he gives us these really beautiful victories, and we get to see lives changed, and we get to see lives saved, and we see people choosing to do good, like the companies who did choose to walk away from the building project, or employees that have chosen to walk away, or the new citizens that we have, different people in our city that have come out to do prayer that have never come out before, and so those victories, they keep you going, but they also keep us focused on doing that which God has called his church to do. And that's why we defend life. We do it because God has called us to. And so that's some of our work in Birmingham. As Father Brett mentioned, we do work all over the world. Father Terry is in the Philippines right now. Earlier in this year, he was in Europe. Um, we're very lucky in America to have a really organized pro-life network. Um, and they don't have that in Europe. They don't have groups that they can just call up. And so... Um, we try to organize that as much as we can, and that's one of the things Father Terry does when he's over there. Um, these life and leadership conferences have also been great. Um, Father Terry has developed that. We developed it for Europe, and then um, we got to do it in America recently, in Jacksonville, Florida. And so um, we're going to be offering it in Maryland next month, hopefully Georgia. And so we've had this vision to equip the church and... This leadership conference has been a really great tool for that, and we've been able to use it in, in every nation we travel to. Um, is this fine? This water? So, sorry. <laughs> so that's some of the stuff going on with us. Um, it's really just a sampling. It would take much longer than I have today to talk about all we've done in the past year, but I want to talk a little bit about you guys. And so the last time I was here, it was for a wedding. 
um, which was wonderful. And I got to stick around on Sunday and hear Father Brett present this new effort in your church called Communities in Christ. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. This will be a perfect foundation for, for what I might want to talk about on the feast day. And so what I'm hoping to do here is to simply add another layer to this effort to pray for the ways to serve in your community, this communities in Christ, and to identify the immediate needs around you. Um, on that Sunday, Father Brett said, we can't get everyone to come here on Sunday, but we can go and bring the kingdom to where they are. And really, that's pro-life ministry in a nutshell. You know, we're always going to where the preborn children threatened by abortion actually are. That's why we go to the clinics and pray. You know, we're there to be a family for those who have no family and to engage women and men in these desperate situations, so desperate that the only answer they could come up with was to end the life of their child. And that's why we go to the D.C. Um, March for Life, because we, we spend two days in our nation's capital where laws and policies originate and where our national change can take place. And we pray and we cry out to God to end abortion. And we proclaim personhood. We challenge lawmakers to remember that at least 500,000 of us believe that life is sacred and should be protected at every stage. And so we go to where they are. And in many ways, in many arenas, Intercessor is doing that. Okay, you guys go out to the clinics, you hold vigils, you attend the March for Life, and even more wonderful is that many of your families have done foster care and adoption, and that's a really beautiful way to be pro-life. So don't hear any of this as a challenge to do something you're already doing. Um, you guys are a very pro-life church, and because you have this understanding of the importance of upholding and protecting the sanctity of life, I believe that God wants to continue to build that even more as you seek out new ways to serve in your community. So I'm going to show you this graphic. Um, Ta-da! Uh, this is a map of Long Island. You may recognize it. Haley Nelson created it. So if it's wrong, please direct all comments to her. Um, the blue markers, they're abortion clinics. All right? And the green markers are pregnancy centers. And in our Life and Leadership Conference, we talk a lot about strategy and problem solving. So if you look at this map, it's pretty easy to identify the problem. There are more abortion clinics than there are pregnancy centers. The bad guys outnumber the good guys, seemingly. In truth, God is never outnumbered, all right? But he does choose, he does choose to work through his people, and his people have to be willing. And in this church, I know you guys are always willing, and that's why God has used you so well. So last time I was here, I also asked Father Brett if there's anything specific he'd like me to talk about. And without hesitation, he answered solutions. I'm interested in solutions because Father Brett is a problem solver. And he knows abortion creates many, many problems in our communities where it operates. And if we're going to be Christ in our communities, then we have to keep addressing it, right? And so the question is, for a church that is already well aware of this evil, and completely comfortable with confronting it on the sidewalk, is there something more that we could do? Is there some other vision that God might be trying to cast? So in Luke 19, we have the account of Zacchaeus, right? And everyone knows the story. Zacchaeus climbs up to hide in a tree um, because he wants to see Jesus, and he, him, he finds himself suddenly being seen by Jesus. And so Jesus calls out to Zacchaeus, and he invites himself to the chief tax collector's house in Jesus' very assertive way. Right? Uh, what I love about Luke's portrayal of Jesus is that he's always asserting himself in ways that make the Pharisees very uncomfortable and upset. And uh, I love that version of Jesus. Uh, he's a bit of a troublemaker. Um, but he does it with humility and not arrogance because Jesus knows who he is. He knows where he came from. And he knows who he came to save. 
So he offers his company to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, we all know, he repents of his tax-collecting ways. And then Jesus says this in verse 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He brings the kingdom to those who need it. He sought Zacchaeus the same way he sought his disciples with intention, the same way he sought the woman at the well, the same way he sought all of us when we were lost in our own sin. And so he, Jesus, he invites himself into our story. And the Lord, the giver of life that we're celebrating today, he comes looking for us. But there's someone else that also comes looking for us, right? In 1 Peter 5 it says the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So Jesus seeks that he might give us life. And the devil seeks that he might bring destruction and death. And so what you see on that map that we just showed you are the places where people who are lost, women especially, lost in their circumstances and lost in their fears, looking for a glimpse of something that will help them. These are the places they get sought, either by those who wanted to give them life or those who had other plans. And so if you ask yourself, what more could this congregation do to reach the community around us? And how can we continue to engage in the fight against the evil of abortion? Perhaps one of those answers is to create a place and opportunities where you can actively seek pregnant mothers facing these difficult choices and save their children in the womb through fellowship, through resources, through service, and through love. And I only bring that up because Father Brett has mentioned to me and Father Terry his heart to possibly bring a Stanton Healthcare Center to Long Island. Stanton Healthcare was created by Brandy Swindell, a good friend of ours. I'm going to see her on Wednesday. We're going to go um, to do her Purple Sash Revolution event where we're going to go to Nancy Pelosi's office and challenge her on her support of infanticide. Um, I'm not sure Nancy Pelosi will be there. <laughs> she may leave if she knows we're coming. Um, but we're going, and, and Brandy, she built Stanton on a very specific vision that I have come to truly appreciate, especially in our current battle in Birmingham. Brandy's goal was to not just compete with Planned Parenthood, but to replace Planned Parenthood. First in her city, then in other cities, then in other places in the world. And she's done that pretty successfully. She started out in Boise, and through a miracle of the Lord, um, they bought a building right next to Planned Parenthood. And, or God bought the building, really, and truly. She didn't really have to pay for it because someone wanted to buy it for her. Um, Planned Parenthood hates Stanton. They hate them so much because they opened right next door. And then two years later, they opened up another location in, in Meridian right next to Planned Parenthood. And so she's been very successful there. And now they have clinics in uh, California, in Michigan, in Belfast, in Northern Ireland. Um, and so the idea here is that you know, Planned Parenthood puts itself up as this gold standard for women's health care. And we all know that that's a, that's a lie. And so Brandy said the church should be the gold standard. For, for, for ministering to those women. And so what they do is they offer superior medical care, but with respect, dignity, and compassion, both for the mother and for the child in her womb. And so just in this section of Long Island that I showed you, there are seven Planned Parenthoods just in that section. So imagine replacing them with centers that protected children instead of killing them, that cherished women instead of exploiting them, and that built up fathers instead of devastating them which are all the things Planned Parenthood truly does. So that's just a thought, all right, that I offer up to you during this time when you're actively praying for more ways to take God's kingdom outside of these four walls and into the neighborhoods around you. And one of the gospel readings available for the feast day is from John 14, verse 1. 
Sorry, I've been talking a lot. I'm thirsty. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Imagine a woman who feels backed into a corner, unable to choose any option except the worst case scenario. And Jesus says to her through his church, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. And that passage goes on to talk about how God has made a home for us and how he's coming to receive us and that he is the way to that home. And that's the gospel, and it's the driving force behind pro-life work. And every life is wanted, every circumstance is redeemable, every child of God has a home. That's what we're celebrating today on this feast day. So I'm going to tell you a quick story, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Father Brett. My last couple of years in college, I worked at a kiosk in the mall called Wacky Bear, which was a knockoff Build-A-Bear. So we built teddy bears and gave them little birth certificates and very expensive tiny clothes. And so I started working there because, you know, I needed a job. And a girl in one of my classes, she was the manager, and she told me to come and and apply. So I did. Got the job. I was qualified to make the teddy bears. And uh, it was a tough test, but I passed it. So um, I found out later that the three or four employees that were already there didn't want her to hire me because I was a Christian. And uh, I guess they thought I would, like, cramp their teddy bear party style. I don't know. Um, And they were worried that I'd, like, preach at them which I did sometimes in the two years that I worked there because they needed it to hear about the Lord. And so um, I became really good friends with the manager and and another girl there, still friends with them today. Um, But it was a small store. Well, it was a kiosk, so it was very small. And um, so, but because it was small and you just think, you know, a bunch of college-age girls, we're kind of in each other's lives. And and also we hung out at the mall a lot. We were like a very close-knit group of mall rats basically, that also went to college on occasion. So um, one girl came along, though, who wasn't in college. She was about 17, and she had moved um, to Wilmington, where I was living at the time, and she had had kind of a rough go, and so she was living there, and she, she had um, come to work with us. And so one night, really late, after she'd been working there several months, my phone rings, and my friend is like, hey, I'm on my way to meet this girl. Um, she's pregnant, and will you come with me? And I was like, of course, of course I'll come, you know. And this was before I did pro-life work. Like, I mean, this is, I was still in college, and I had gone to the March for Life, and I kind of knew I wanted to be involved, but I don't have any experience talking to somebody who was in a crisis pregnancy. But we met up, the three of us, and we ordered some cheap breakfast food and some bad coffee, and we sat and talked for several hours and just let her cry and just told her, you know, that it would be okay, that we would be with her, and especially that God would be with her and that we would help her. And so it was like a little pregnancy resource center right there in the middle of late night diner. And I tell you that story to simply say that whatever God leads this congregation to do next, don't be intimidated because it isn't hard to help. The logistics can be challenging, yes. The involvement, finding volunteers, provision, all of that can be daunting when you're deciding a new way to engage your community. But at the end of the day, what it really takes to save a life and help a woman is for you to care enough to listen, even if it's at midnight with really crappy coffee. And if you can do that, then God will do the rest. And how much was Jesus seeking that young girl to bring her around to that store where she would meet a very outspoken pro-life Christian that nobody wanted hired there uh, just before having this experience of a crisis pregnancy in her life? He invited himself right into her story. And that has nothing to do with me. I was just lucky enough to be the one around to help. But he sought her, and and that baby got saved because of it. And 
so God, he's this good, good God, the Lord and giver of life. And I thank you guys again just for letting God use you and for keeping the sanctity of life a priority in this congregation. Father Brett is right. Not many denominations pay attention to that. Not many denominations make pro-life ministry any kind of priority. And the patriarch always says that we're not a church that's pro-life. We are a pro-life church. And I really do believe that God created the CEC for such a time as this, a time when abortion would flourish in a country where we have more churches than we can count. That is not something to celebrate. But God is always bringing his provision, and so we keep the fight alive here in the CEC. And God has continued to use our communion and its pro-life ministry in profound ways all over the world. For the size that CEC for Life is, we should not be able to do what we do. But God, he just... He always provides, and he always opens the door, and he always makes that connection so that we can step through and, and come alongside whoever it is that needs our help and, and save lives, all right? And, and you're all a part of that. And so that should be celebrated because God is glorified in all of it, and that's what the church is meant to do, to glorify the Lord and to minister to a hurt and broken world. Um, so thank you guys for letting me speak this morning. Thank you so much, Sarah. Great job. Good word. Um, we're going to continue to worship the Lord and taking up our offering. So let's walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself as a sacrifice for us all.